G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's start with a story. Once upon a time there was a young girl living with a mentally ill grandmother with no self-esteem, no confidence, no purpose and with a fierce dislike of psychiatric wards. Through it all, she became a writer a mental health chaplain and then a funeral director after a long, winding but exciting journey. Her book is called Shaped and the author is Kay Hollings. Shaped retraces Kay's steps, helping readers to potentially discover their own revealed path, emerge from life's confusing maze and find themselves in the safe hands of the divine potter. Kay's joining us to talk about her book. Hello, Kay. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Lovely to be here. Kay, tell me about your book. It's called Shaped, and you love to focus on the biblical imagery we get from talking about the potter and the clay. That's certainly right. Um, My reason for that is that we spend a lot of emphasis on body shape, going to gyms and eating correctly, all very helpful stuff. But if we neglect the spiritual side of life, our soul, our spirit, whatever you'd like to call it, then I believe we remain unbalanced. And that was certainly the place I found myself. I was wondering what was missing and needing to find out. And Kate, we go through all of these trials, these hardships, these dreadful things that are sometimes a part of the early history we have as children growing up through our teenage years, all these challenges we face. But you've taken your story and you're wanting to encourage You're wanting to give hope to people who can read your story and perhaps see some of the ways you've approached some of these issues. Yes, um, we're all aware that as children we don't have a lot of options. We are in the situation we're in and we just have to make the best of it. But as adults we can make better choices and I believe with God's guidance and God's help we can turn the bad around and bring good out of it. That nothing's wasted with God. Interestingly, this is your new book, Shaped, but you've written a couple of fiction books earlier and you've tried to grapple with some of the issues from your life in those books, but this is the one that tells the real story and how that unfolded. Does that add light to the the two fiction books that you've written? Absolutely. Um, While the first two books are fiction, they're based on my real-life experiences. They're based on um, real people but um, imaginary situations, partly. And uh, there's a lot of humour in those, but it does just bring out the struggles that a lot of people have and that there is a way through if we persevere and if we have help along the way. And let's talk about your story because you start to describe how God shapes you Mm -hmm. through your family, through your friends, through the circumstances, and usually (laughs) tough circumstances in your story. Give us an, in a nutshell, overview, perhaps abridged version of of the Kay Hollings story. Um, Living with someone with a mental illness has difficulties and you tend to not, well, in my case, I was pushed aside, not important, and 
I grew up feeling very insecure and not knowing who I was and where I was headed. But when I became a Christian, when I met God, I realized that I could do things, that um, I had abilities that uh, God then brought to the fore, one of which was um, a warped sense of humor. And uh, suddenly there were things to laugh at in the world that I had never realized about before. When you have an encounter with God and he takes the things that you thought were meaningful and brings a whole new divine perspective to those, I imagine that is the fork in the road where your shaping starts to take on a different style, a different purpose. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Um, I tended to put my grandmother in the too hard basket and uh, pretend she wasn't there because she ignored me, so I just ignored her in return. She was this, this invisible lady that lived in our house. But in the meantime, God allowed me to do that for a while, and God led me on to um, Bible college and to journalism courses and writing jobs, etc., which was just wonderful, and then as a, and led me into uh, pastoral care and uh, counselling and working for crisis services and things like that. But I was not even interested in getting back involved with the mentally ill uh, until <laughs> the day when God tapped me on the shoulder and said that, you know, this was what he wanted. At first I thought I was crazy, that this was just a bad dream, this couldn't be happening. And I ran it past my family and they said, well, if that's what you want to do, that's okay. And uh, I said, you know, I really argued this out with God. It was like a Jonah experience. I didn't actually get on the boat and leave the country, but... Um, if I had been able to, I probably would have. So I was saying, God, you can't expect me to do this. It's too hard. I'll fall apart. Um, my family will suffer. It's just I've been in more psychiatric wards than most people have in a lifetime. Uh, so I was arguing, but deep down I knew this was of God. And the final confirmation was when a neighbour knocked on my door while I was in this position of struggling she was totally distressed because her mum had just tried to commit suicide and was in a local hospital in the psychiatric ward. She did not know of my past. She did not know what I was wrestling with at the time. But I was able to comfort her and help her and go with her to visit her mum. And so I had to say, okay, God, you win. <laughs> it couldn't have been more specific that this was what I was meant to do. Take us back to your grandma and mm -hmm. the role that she played in alerting you and and really, I imagine, uh, shocking you into the sorts of understandings that you began to develop about mental illness uh, because this was pretty tough for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was interesting. As I was growing up, I was not aware that I was being impacted. Uh, my way of coping, as I said, was to just pretend she wasn't there and get on with my life. But it wasn't until I went back to Callum Park or Roselle Hospital, as it was then, um, to train to be a chaplain that I was confronted with the past in a very real way. Um, I walked around a corner one day and there was a grey-haired lady pacing up and down in an exercise yard, moaning and wailing, and it just hit me that this was a flashback from the past. Um, the child that visited Grandma in Callum Park was terrified, but the adult that was there by choice was just incredibly sad and my compassion began to grow. And one of the amazing things was I gained permission to go into one of the old disused wards there that had been boarded up and uh, just sit there for a while on my own. And I sat in this ward that was typical of one that my grandmother would have been in all those years ago. Um, rusty baths, windows busted, 
pigeons flying in and out. You know, there was no privacy. And for the first time, um, instead of being on the outside looking in, I was on the inside looking out. And I began to see my grandmother's world through her eyes. And from that point on, I was able to forgive her and to move forward in my training to enable me to do the work I ended up doing. As a young woman, you were dismissive of Grandma, uh, you even resentful of Grandma. Her behaviours were not anything that you wanted to align yourself with. But then you find yourself in a place just like where your Grandma would have been, and you recognise that mental illness was something that you could look at now in a different light. Because this was compounded, wasn't it? Because your father then began to have some of these mental health issues as well. That's right. Um, during my training, I was able to get alongside people that were in even worse health than my grandmother. Um, I thought I'd seen it all, but I hadn't. <laughs> and I found that was why the training was done in these very difficult hospitals, because they said if you got through that, then you'd cope with anyone. And that was pretty much the case. So um, I was on a learning curve, but at least my heart was in the right place. Then when my dad got sick, uh, psychiatric care had moved forward a lot. And there were no longer the big institutions. They were just wards attached to normal hospitals. The care was better. The medication was better. The stays were much shorter. Uh, whereas my grandmother would be in for two years at a time. That's just not possible these days. They would not allow it. So, um, yeah, things changed and I tended to um, soften a little, obviously. And, um, yeah, and that also gave me greater compassion when I saw my dad's struggles and thought, well, maybe I can bring some good out of this and, and be there for people. Kay, as a Christian, as someone who has faith in God, seeing things through a different lens, how do you think that shaping of those early days, even though you didn't realise it at the time, that somehow or other God's hand was on you to take you through some of those tough experiences with family to be able to prepare you for what you do now? I was definitely being shaped. Um, I didn't always recognise it, but... Um, once I did and once I got into this work, I knew that even though I was not a mental health expert, never have been, never will be, I had some insights and some experiences from what I had lived through that was perhaps unique to me um, and therefore God could use that. So I was very aware of the shaping. And then a bit further on in my life when God led me into the funeral industry, um, I was a lot more compliant. Instead of jumping up and down saying, God, not again, you know, I can't do this, it was very different. I was saying, well, okay, God, I wasn't expecting this, but if, if this is what you want, okay, let's do it. And so I had learnt along the way that if God's shaping you, then it's worth a few, you know, dings and bruises along the way because it's going to be worth it. Kay, we'll talk some more about chaplaincy and about going into the funeral industry and how these experiences in your early life shaped you for this uh, your book is called Shaped. Kay Hollings is our guest. We're back with more in just a short We're taking some time to talk about a new book called Shaped. The author is Kay Hollings and Shaped tells Kay's story, her relationships with her family and her friends and the circumstances she went through as her family were facing all sorts of issues to do with mental illness and how this has shaped Kay along the way, a little along the lines of the image that we have in the scriptures of God being the potter and we the clay and how God shapes us in our life. 
Kay eventually moved into the funeral industry and has worked as a chaplain and has had so many experiences where there's been real breakthrough because her Christian faith has led her to some deeper understandings about how people are suffering when they're going through trials of mental illness. Kay, when we talk about mental illness, you've had some wonderful experiences, especially with someone whose name is Perry. Tell us Perry's story. Okay, I shared that while part of my training was at Callum Park, um, the old Roselle Hospital, I was able to find my grandmother and that put me on the right path to the ministry that I was leading into. The next part of the training was at Gladesville Hospital, another institution that's now closed down. But that was set up originally for a lot of developmentally disabled people who were there for life. So my first day there, um, I was walking down the path and a guy came rushing past me, waving his arms and just making noises. So I said hello and he just sort of grunted at me and kept going. So I thought, right, I'll deal with that later. Anyway, Perry became um, a common figure. We'd bump into him around the ground. Somehow he, he couldn't communicate, but he always knew where he was. He was free to go down the street to the shops. The sh- certain shopkeepers knew him and would serve him, and uh, he somehow made known what he needed. But uh, he knew that if he came into the chaplain's office, there'd always be a cup of tea on. So he, he came in one day, he came bursting through the doors, he did everything at a rush, and we were in the middle of a prayer meeting. We were praying. And he walked in, he stood in the middle of the room, bowed his head, and didn't say a word. And when we had finished praying, he just quietly left. He forgot about the cup of tea. And I thought, that's a very interesting response. Um, anyway, a couple of weeks later, it was my turn to take the church service at the hospital. We all took it in turns. And... He arrived. How he knew the time and the place, I do not know, but he was there. And nobody could sing, so I used to take taped music, and I concluded the service by playing Jesus Loves Me. And he jumped up, uh, started dancing to the music, came down the front, and was he was just praising God, and it just blew me away. And I thought, I don't know what this man says. I can't communicate with him, but his... In his confused mind, somewhere along the line, he had met God. And that just taught me, and I've never forgotten, that no one's too hard for God. So in amongst all of that mental illness, as you say, confusion and a patient that no one could get through to, he finds his way into the prayer meeting, into the service, and something clicks, something connects, Mm -hmm. and he's experiencing the presence of God. Absolutely. And that was just such a confirmation that, you know, uh, we all started doing this course thinking, how can we make a difference here? What on earth can we say that's going to change anything? But we all ended up by realising that being there, just loving these people, being alongside them, God would do the rest. And Kay, you're a funeral celebrant. Uh, You're working in the funeral industry. Mm -hmm. And... For everyone who's been to a funeral, you'll know that those sort of secularised type funeral services, they can almost leave God out of the picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're inclined to encourage people to connect with God because in understanding this connection that we have with God, uh, people can 
face their grief in a more determined way and have a deeper understanding because there's a divine dimension to our lives. How do you reflect on the value that you have when you bring your shaping into the funeral service? I had been a funeral director for many years and I left that in order to write and be a celebrant. So it gave me um, a chance to do two things that I love and still to meet people at a tough time in their lives. Um, Now, obviously, if a family tell me that they don't want God to be mentioned in the service, I have to give them what they want. But that doesn't happen very often. In um, 90 funerals, I think that's only happened about five times. And so that is that just opens it up and families say things like, oh, well, um, he didn't go to church, but you know he believed in God and so he'd really love to have a prayer and he'd like you to read something from the Bible. And so most of the time I can have that sort of input and because I'm visiting them in their homes and as a celebrant I'm working for me, not for a funeral company, um, I'm, I can give them literature, I can um, give them copies of the readings that I use in the service so they can read them afterwards. And um, I can just befriend them and follow them up afterwards if there's a need to do that. At a funeral, things are very raw. People are often emotional. Uh, Grief does uh, crazy things to us when we're going through that. You've handled some very difficult situations in funerals over the years. Uh, What are the more difficult ones you can remember? One that really stands out is a lady in her late 90s and there was nobody at her funeral who cared about her. Nobody liked her. No one was going to miss her. They were simply having a funeral because it's the right thing to do. And so I was told not to use anything that mentioned the word love or happy memories or um, missing you. None of those words could be mentioned. Uh, The songs had to not reflect anything like that either. And so I said to this family, this is going to be the shortest funeral in history. What have you left me to say? And they said, oh, you'll, you'll figure something out. But I did by having very long songs. I had five songs instead of three, and they all had about five verses so that it filled in the time. But the sad thing was that, um, you know, fancy getting to into your 90s and not having one friend, no one that could say one nice thing about you. And, you know, the lesson is just obvious that um, we should all be living our lives that to make a difference, to try to do something meaningful, not to be patted on the back, but to you know, have an impact on someone else's life in a positive way. And so this lady had lived 90-something years and had no friends and wasn't missed by anyone. So I thought that was just really sad, but it was a lesson that, you know, you don't forget. Kay, you talk about being shaped yourself. And for the reader who reads your story, you're hoping that people will recognise something of themselves in their own hardships and recognise this divine dimension of God's shaping. How do you think people, when they read your story, are going to relate so closely to these stories that you tell? Well, I hope I've made it clear that it's not just my story, but it's how God has directed my life. That's really what I'm talking about. I, you know, maybe wouldn't have done half the things that I've done if God wasn't directing me. I thought I was too weak and um, insecure to do a lot of these things, but God knew differently. And God empowered me and and enabled me to help people and gave me confidence. Um, I sometimes still get up to take a funeral and think, how did I get here? You know, this was the person that couldn't get up and and read, uh, do a Bible reading in church without my knees knocking together. And yet here I was, here I am still taking funerals. But that's that's God. That's not me. 
And so God can shape anyone if we're willing to let him do the shaping. (laughs) And what you reflect is a practical expression of love because from those early years when it was very hard to recognize what it was to love, Mm. God taught you to love. He's shaped you to do what you do today. And that love now overflows in a practical sense into people's lives. Yeah, and um, I've been amazed to just stand back sometimes and think, you know, well, yeah, I guess I have done a few things, but it's no credit to me. It's because God just pointed me in the right direction, and all I did was say, well, after a few arguments, okay, God, I'll give it a go, you know. So, yeah, and I guess what I'm saying is that there is healing for the past. There is forgiveness. It's so important to forgive. We've all got someone we need to forgive, Um, and that just frees us up to, to move on and do better things. Kay, it's been a pleasure getting the insights that you're sharing about the things that have shaped you as you've grown into the woman that you are today. And I want to point people to the book Shaped. You might like to get a hold of it, and there's a number of ways that you can. You can simply go to Kay's website, kayhollings, H-O-L-L-I-N-G-S dot com, or you can get a hold of it at Kurong or on Amazon. It's available as an ebook. Kay, just a pleasure getting your insights. Thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you so much. Wow. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.